yours. I'm putty in your hand. <laughs> All right, Steve. I'm, I'm here with Steve Goldner. Um, you own a uh, cannabis pharmaceutical company. Um, so tell me, tell me about uh, what you were just talking about. You, you're going to be listed somewhere? Oh, I thought it might be interested to the listeners to know that I was interviewed on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Now, this was before COVID came in. So it's about four months or so ago. But these were professional news interviews. Uh, I think it was six minutes carried uh, online. And I've sent a link in so that people can connect with it. And it's, of course, it's always exciting to be there on the floor of uh, capitalism, uh, where one day we will be a New York Stock Exchange company. Uh, this was a, a good wow. way to do it, walking, walking out on the floor, and it's my native city, New York, so it was a pleasure yeah. to be there. What gives you so much confidence that you're, you're gonna be on the New York Stock Exchange eventually? Yes, yeah, so I invented a drug called methadone about 50 years ago. Wow. And I had um, no idea. Why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> oh, well, let me tell you about it now. Okay. Buddies of mine were coming back from Vietnam and some of them had become heroin addicts and they just went over there to fight a war, good, bad, or indifferent. They didn't, they didn't go to be heroin addicts. I was working at the New York medical examiner's office. I did 18,000 autopsies as the New York state tox New York city toxicologist. And uh, I was on uh, graduate school at Rockefeller University. And uh, they had a grant to treat heroin addicts. So I suggested that I would come up with a drug, which seemed really weird to them that I would use a drug to treat heroin addicts. But I figured it out over the weekend. I found a molecule that had been developed by Nazi scientists in 1930s before Germany went to war again in World War II, and they needed a substitute for morphine for when their supply lines were cut because you need a pain relief drug for troops. So I took one of those molecules and repurposed it, adding, uh, it was water soluble, I added water to it, uh, I added tang, in order to flavor it and color it. I added Metamucil in order, because heroin addicts are constipated, and that made the first liquid oral dose of methadone that was non-abusable. Um, I had to leave graduate school, so that's why I never got my MD, PhD, but I founded uh, that company almost 50 years ago ran it for three years, took 11 months to get FDA approval, three months to raise the money. And we started shipping on the 12th month. So I've done this a number of times for a long time. Methadone's gone round the world. I exited that company to a very large pharmaceutical company who subsequently paid for me to go to law school. And uh, that's how I became an FDA attorney. So I've spent my entire career uh, inventing drugs and getting them approved at FDA. Um, and I've gotten over 250 medical devices and a couple dozen drugs approved. So now that's what brings us to this company, Pure Green Pharma. Is this okay as an intro? Yeah, of course. So this is Pure Green Pharmaceuticals. 
I've waited 45 years to have the safest, most effective ingredients available to work with. That's because one of those returning GIs became a good friend of mine. He wasn't a heroin addict, but he had PTSD. And I noticed when he drank alcohol or took the pills that the VA gave him, that he was a wreck. But when he found pot 45 years ago and smoked it, he wasn't anxious. He wasn't in pain. He was calm. He was able to get through life, except the drug was terribly illegal. Now, here we are 45 years later, and THC and CBD became available substances. And so I've formulated the drugs run clinical trials, and Pure Green Pharmaceuticals is not one of these state-by-state-by-state cannabis companies, but is a true FDA pharmaceutical company that just happens to use THC and CBD to relieve pain, relieve anxiety, and improve sleeplessness, uh, sleepfulness. And so with that, we presented this to the Food and Drug Administration and they bought it completely. That's what's exciting for the investors. We have, if we have a proven pathway to the market provided from meetings with the Food and Drug Administration for osteoarthritis pain, diabetic pain relief, and pain relief in dogs all of which are blockbuster indications. Plus, we were allowed to skip over preclinical studies, skip over phase one, and we start at phase two. The entire company is created and designed to exit pre-phase three to big pharma. That's because Lilly, Pfizer, and a few other companies have aging pipelines in these multi-billion dollar indications, and they need these drugs. And that's what gives the investors an opportunity to look at our clinical data. We already have stunning data in diabetic conditions. We're well, about, about to- the data. Tell, tell me about the data. So we ran a safety and efficacy trial meets FDA standards. It's a, you could call it a pilot phase two study. In 30 days, patients dosed with our water soluble sublingual tablet that disintegrates in 20 or 30 seconds in the mouth experienced statistically and clinically significant results showing remarkable pain reduction, remarkable anxiety reduction, and improvement in sleep. But what's interesting was the control that we used. We allowed the patients to remain on their current therapy. So two-thirds of them were on either Eli Lilly drug or Pfizer drug and one other major company. And despite being on current first line therapy, their values went down statistically significant 
every one of the patients asked us if they could go off of their control medication because it was a trial. We asked them to continue on it. Otherwise, they would have gone off their control meds and only been on our pure green pharmaceutical. In addition, a third of the patients were not on control meds and they experienced exactly the same statistically significant drop in pain, drop in anxiety and improvement in sleepfulness. So this makes the drug either an add-on drug or a sole therapy at a time when big pharma uh, has an aging pipeline in a multi-billion dollar market. And that's why I think I'll be on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Here's what, I, here's what I'm confused about. Why is something like this taking so long to be put onto the marketplace? That's the first question. And how was it so easy for medications, for instance, like Vioxx to be put into the marketplace and it killed hundreds of thousands of people, I think, right? Um, what, what, what are the ex exogenous factors that were causing these, these medications to, or this uh, therapy not to be approved? In our case, it's actually pretty straightforward. Yeah. It was illegal. It was just illegal for researchers but why? But why? to work with there was no your CBD. But it doesn't make sense. Why? Like why? Well, if you recall, pot's been illegal for a long, long time. Anyone who worked on it or touched it would not be allowed to do that. Even today, major researchers who get a DEA license to be able to do it only are able to work with THC or CBD generally that is extracted or taken from cannabis. What we've done is completely different. We've utilized synthetically created in an organic chemistry laboratory, what's called an API, Nowadays, THC and CBD is made in a laboratory like every other active drug ingredient. Do you think some of the pharmaceutical companies wanted to suppress the um, potential of this getting out there? Is that? I don't think, no, I really, I've worked in this. I was the USA representative to the United Nations for drug treatment. I've been the FDA advisor to NIH for many years. I really don't think that was the case. And I sure don't want to add to conspiracy theories in this yeah, yeah. debate. That's for sure. Of course. I, I think it was just much more straightforward. For 70 years, the only form of cannabinoids that were available had to be extracted from marijuana. And working with marijuana was illegal and very, very hard to do. It's only been in the last few years because of companies like mine and me, frankly, pushing uh, medicinal chemists to get the synthesis done, that now there are pure USP pure forms of THC and CBD. And we're one of the very few companies who uh, have the ability to source that in our uh, supply line. That's the, that's the entire reason. Sorry, no conspiracy here. You know, you know it, it is possible that this could actually make uh, pharmaceutical companies a lot of money. So there, there's no reason for them to 
yes. for this from getting out. Yeah. So yes, that that's the that's it. Like so many things in this time, it just takes flipping a switch to be able to say, "Oh, this is okay." THC, CBD, and these other ingredients are stunningly non-toxic. And the way to be able to tell that is, although we don't use ingredients that come from pot, those ingredients that are in cannabis, cannabis has been used around the world by hundreds of millions of people and nobody ever died of it. That is the LD50 is so stunningly huge that you cannot toxify somebody from these ingredients. And we know CBD can be found all over the marketplace now in just the last year. The difference is with our company, Pure Green Pharmaceuticals, I realized that I wanted to exit the company to pharmaceuticals. Therefore, I needed a pharmaceutically acceptable dosage form that was reliable, repeatable, and consistent. And that's what we've done. Plus, we have eight patents in the process. So we have protectable IP. Smart. Wonderful. Well, I've done this a couple hundred times <laughs> or as a consultant. I, these are my people. Yeah. The first part of cannabis actually was that, and the first important patents was that we converted oil-soluble THC to water-soluble THC and mm-hmm. CBD because the body doesn't like oil. It likes water. You can drink yeah. a quart of water, but you can't drink a quart of oil. And so with having water-soluble CBD and THC, then we made it into an easy-to-take uh, sublingual tablet. And for the chemists in the room or the biologists, that bypasses first-pass metabolism. So we have a drug now that begins to take effect in four minutes, takes full effect in 10 minutes, and lasts four hours. That's very American. Everybody wants first, first mover, first response, let's solve the problem. And it reduces pain, anxiety, and helps people go to sleep. That's a good deal. It is a good deal. It is a good deal. Um, you know, so it does, it, it replaces probably three medications, maybe, but or, or can be a supplemental um, therapy as opposed to a replacement therapy. Well, absolutely. However, what we've added to it is because of our knowledge of FDA, you have to be able to demonstrate efficacy efficacy and safety in a disease condition. So the deal we cut with FDA was that what we wanted was to actually relieve the opioid crisis. We went into FDA saying, we have something that can help people get off of heroin and other, and other addictive substances. And FDA said, that's fine, but we don't think of those as disease conditions. Here's what we'd like you to do. Go show that your product works in diabetic neuropathy, which is a recognized disease, and in osteoarthritis show you can do pain relief in a disease condition before people need to go on opioids. FDA's position was don't, don't wait till they're on it, help them get, the, get off of them before they need to. 
And since each one of those is a multi-billion dollar market, the business person in me said, sure, I'm happy. And FDA gave us in writing the regulatory pathway to the market. And we just need to run two small clinical trials. And that's what the use of proceeds is well, for. I, I will say it's impressive that the inventor of methadone is now doing this. I, th I would say that's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, that's nice of you to say. And yeah. the truth of it is methadone was a bookend on the beginning of my career. Yeah. And I made, a, and I did it because I promised a buddy who went to Nam that I could help him get off of heroin. Yeah. When I promised another buddy, and that's made a bookend to this side of the career that I will cure PTSD. And the way to do it is we're starting with diabetic neuropathy and osteoarthritis. There's plenty of people with that. I, as, I well, keep, uh, as well as dog pain for your pets. I always, yeah, I always, I always feel there's a component of uh, something personal within someone that makes them motivated to, um, to do something like this. And that was your, that, that was your personal reason, right? This is my personal reason. PTSD. I'm, yeah. You can say I'm on a mission, but I'm on a mission with a really tight spreadsheet and a great CFO and a great chief medical officer. We have a full C-suite. Every one of them are mission directed and we're uh, business people. So we have to run it and we have to run it properly and reward the investors. How long have you been working on this, this project? So I started Pure Green Pharmaceuticals um, about a year and a half ago. We, uh, our first money in was uh, debt to equity of $2 million. Um, we still have uh, more than $800,000 with a burn rate of about 60 grand a month. So we, and our investors are completely sold on this idea. So they're happy to extend the runway, but it, we're now, uh, we're, three months into this round of raising uh, $5 million. Uh, and we've got three investors in the door, money in the bank. We're looking out of this meeting to talk with people that will bring in another 2.5 million uh, to be early investors. And we expect that that will give them something on the order of a 10x return when this is out licensed to farmer uh to farmer either pfizer or lily i don't know i something about you i just believe everything you're saying <laughs> well, <I've, laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah um I, I i believe it I, I feel like maybe maybe i should invest i don't know like well if we're happy we're happy to have you do that uh maybe you say that to all the good looking men but uh, we're happy to have you do that. Of course, as long as you meet the criteria, the minimum investable amount is hundred uh, K. Um, we really are looking for what's always called smart money to be able to do this. But our chief business officer, James Smith has a track record. He was CEO of a genetics company in San Francisco. 
He's out-licensed over $5.5 billion worth of deals successfully. He's got a great Rolodex. So that, that's what we're doing. This is, yeah, this is a mission to help people and move forward with it and do it properly. Does it feel like when you do uh, uh, have that exit, will it feel like you're giving up your baby because it's, it's only a year and a half old? Um, is there a sense of that? I know like some, some people I've talked to on this podcast, you know, th they grew their company to, you know, multiple millions of dollars, you know, $20 million, $30 million. And then they sold their company and there was this sense of like depression afterwards because they felt that they were so attached to their business and that was attached in the, they, they, they were, their identity was um, attached to their business. And for some reason, it just made them not happy after they sold. Have you ever felt that before, by the way? Absolutely, absolutely yeah. not. Not really. Okay. Absolutely not. I, okay. and I can tell you why. Uh huh. Large pharmaceutical companies are set up. They are wired to buy startup companies at the end of phase two, the beginning of phase three, and then run the large clinical trials while they set up the marketing and scale up manufacturing. That is their business model. Yeah. And I know that because they're my regulatory clients right. for many years. I've worked on their products. It's silly of someone who has a good idea like this to say, I will take it all the way through and I can be the CEO who knows how to run this for the next 40 years. It's okay. I've got a good 25 years uh, working life left in me, but it's much better that I collaborate with my colleagues at these other companies and do a successful exit. It plays to their strength. You, you have to be able to play nice in the sandbox with everyone and that moves it forward much better. And, yeah, true. and that I just, I want these drugs out there. You know, when I invented methadone, it was my own money. Like it was my own money that started this. It was my own money that started that small drug company in Pennsylvania. But I was bought out by a very large drug company. After three and a half years, I joined them and watched how they made that drug go worldwide and learned that you really need a lot of horsepower to do that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so are you, are you familiar with W.L. Gore? I'm sure you are. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Who? W.L. Gore. Oh, I, yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. This They're... is not, this is not Al Gore who invented the internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I am familiar. Okay, cool. Um, they're going to be in attendance by the way. Great. Uh, um, so is Stryker, um, trying to get Johnson and Johnson. Uh, but Stryker Gay is a great company. I gave a Ted talk. I've given two Ted talks. I gave a Ted talk about six years or so ago. And, uh, the chief medical officer for J and J was in the room at the time. And we had a wonderful chat. It's a, a great company. Uh, they have a big venture department. They have a big venture department. I have, um, somebody, one of the judges who works with a, a company called Zymedica. Oh, uh, yes. I know Zymedica, sure. Yeah, she's a judge. 
um, and she's uh, she has a, a lot of connections with a lot of different uh, pharmaceutical companies, and she's working on J and J. They have a big venture um, department. They uh, they absolutely do. They won't be upset to know uh, I was a Unilever guy for twelve years, so I come from that world, uh, and I've done actually I've done a lot of work uh, advising for J and J on a number of their drugs and devices. It would be a pleasure to talk to them. Um, we also have Microsoft signed up. The, uh... Microsoft, love them too. Sorry, I'm using Apple almost all the time. But, <laughs> but if, if you invest, we'll switch. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I, I wish Apple had a venture department. I don't think they do. Well, actually, they have a very extensive venture department. I've done work with them. I have uh, an Apple Watch that has a number of medical devices embedded in it. So Apple is very, very active in the medical device field. I didn't know that. For, for whatever reason, I, I, I thought they didn't have that. Um, oh, yeah. They're very, very active. Uh, actually, I was at FDA just eight months ago on uh, a piece of software that clearly was Apple software. And it's uh, all, of the in, all of the engineers in IT are just a pleasure to work with here. And uh, I have a lot of respect for, uh, for engineers as um, I have a little experience in uh, sort of pharmaceutics manufacturing. Yeah. So that's ter terrific stuff. But thank you guys for getting my watch to work. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, may so maybe we need to target Apple somehow. I don't know how we're going to. Um, but, you know, what's been a blessing is just uh, – you know, these judges, they're, they're, they're very well connected and, you know, getting companies like we we're very good at getting companies like you. Um, and, uh, and so we were able to attract the right people. So thankfully it's, uh, it's, it's my pleasure. And it's not that I'm going to offer any, uh, of our clinical trial tablets to any of the judges. And certainly, uh, that's, I should point out since I've walked myself into the corner on this, these tablets do not get people stoned. This is not, uh, even though there is- can I, see what it, can I see what it looks like, by the way? Uh, yes, but I'd have to get one. So is it okay if I get up and get yeah, one? Yeah, 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 no problem. Take your time. Okay. This is exciting, guys. I mean, this gets FDA approved. Uh, that's gonna be awesome. And uh, I'm sure it will. Um, seems like um, Stephen has a lot of experience with uh, getting FDA approvals. Has done this many, many times. So um, I got to tell you guys, like so many things in, the, in this space are, are are giving me a lot of hope with regards to the um, medical industry. So just talking to the audience for a second. <laughs> oh, I was just I was just saying that I was just saying that. Realize uh, the audience was here. So, um, so this is what a sheet looks like that's given to a patient. It's really you good. can see there are 28 slots here and a patient yeah. opens the slot. By the way, the audience isn't here yet. The audience isn't here yet. It, it will just will be posted. And I'm just, while you were gone, I was talking to the audience that will be listening to this eventually. So can you see this? Yeah. 
Yeah. Great. So this is a standard pharmaceutical tablet, 250 milligrams. Wow, that's amazing. I love it. Um, this uh, tablet is a sublingual tablet. It, dis it will completely disintegrate in my mouth in 30 seconds, wow. which means it's absorbed sublingually, like nitroglycerin. Yeah. So that means that it doesn't go down through the intestines and have to go through first pass metabolism. This, this tablet is able to get its medication into the body in four minutes. We've wow. measured it. Four minutes to get literally from head to toe. And that's the rate at which blood flows because things are absorbed through, your, through the mucosal membrane. And that means that most of the drug never gets to first pass metabolism, which means you get almost 10 times as much of the active ingredients than if they are swallowed. This kind of, we just use this for our clinical trials, but it is, um, the tablets are protected in here because it's foil and yeah. that's what keeps it dry. Um, so that's what the product looks like. It's very easy for a person to use. Um, and uh, frankly, when we, we just finished our phase two trial in diabetic neuropathy, this is patients who've had diabetic pain for years who found relief by taking the tablets. Literally, the relief begins within eight to 10 minutes and lasts four to six hours. Um, and we are about to enroll an osteoarthritis uh, study with patients. Um, and there's about 4 million patients in the US like this. So it's a blockbuster indication. W would this be uh, a uh, sold over the counter? If it were to be, no. this is a prescription, this is a prescription yeah. drug. Yeah. So what usually happens is all of these drugs start out as prescription items. Uh, after a while, they're converted over to over the counter items by the drug company. But perhaps the reason you ask that is because we all know there are more than 30 states in which cannabis is legal. Yeah. So that people can buy uh, cannabis and smoke it or uh, ingest it in some other way. The difference here is twofold. And first, first for the business folks who are watching this, GW Pharma got FDA approval. And the moment they got FDA approval, they launched a one ounce liquid CBD bottle and they sell it for $3,000 for a monthly dose, $36,000 a year. And they've had no trouble meeting their forecast projections. In their first quarter sales, they sold $100 million of a 30 ml bottle that contains just CBD when you could buy it literally on the on Amazon for one tenth the price, but it's because it's medication. It's mm -hmm. real medication. And they are about to expand the sales and marketing. So that orphan drug indication will bring them 
six to seven hundred million dollars in sales in just a pediatric epilepsy. We're going for markets that are 10 to 20 times larger. That's why the exit strategy is to big pharma. So that's the sort of business, the business side of it. But the science or the medicine is that this is how doctors will want people to take THC and CBD as a medicine. For, for anyone who's just listening and not watching, this looks very, very good. I mean, it, it looks like a, it just looks very well put together. Well, uh, yeah, I, I just simply bought the same tableting machines that Pfizer does. It wasn't that hard. It's yeah. just engineering. And yeah, okay, the formulation was good. I expect the patents to be issued for it. We've had one issued patent. We expect another in about a month, month and a half. And then there are six more behind it to build a picket fence. Yeah, it's, it actually stands up well. We've had tablets now that we've made two years ago. So we have what FDA calls GMP proof of manufacturing. We meet good manufacturing practices. Why do you think there's, uh, there's been, you know, for so long, there was a stigma attached to cannabis and it's to this day it still exists but it's not as prevalent as it used to be um and it was only really america us the us that really had a um where there was a stigma on uh, on cannabis products yes uh america likes to be puritanical at times <laughs> if you recall there was a while while you you couldn't buy booze in america and people thought that that was a really good idea. That turned out not to be a really good idea. This one was started, so I'm told by the historians, because people thought it would reduce craziness among certain classes of people. And then one of our presidents, Richard Nixon, decided that this was a good way to help him get reelected. And he created something called war on drugs. And that war on drugs, which frankly made a lot of sense in many ways. That is, we needed to really deal with a terrible drug abuse problem. Unfortunately, just like prohibition, all it did was create huge profit margins for the wrong group of people, criminals instead of saying, let's just let drug companies deal with this and then we'll get taxes and we'll let the physicians treat it. And that's what I thought when, when I started on methadone 50 years ago, people came up to me and said, why are you helping those terrible junkies lying in the street? And the only real answer I had is that I went to high school with two of them. Mm. They went to Nam, and that was not their career determination to be a junkie. They got into it and they'd really like to get out of it. Right. I'm going to help them do that. So I think that kind of determination on, frankly, on my part to be counter current has allowed me to do this. Plus, 
I'm able to be an FDA lawyer and talk with DEA and FDA. I'm able to do science and formulation. And I'm a business guy. We have a very good set of professionals. We're going to make this, we are making this work. And the truth of it is, this is going to happen. And you and I just connected up uh, again a few weeks ago. And here you are running an opportunity, frankly, for me to to run my mouth again and invite people to work with us. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what are your thoughts on, uh, you don't plan on doing any marketing or branding, do you? No. 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 And it's, it's, I, it's the pharmaceutical companies. that are- It's a pharmaceutical company. I don't need to figure out how to do the advertisement showing somebody running through a forest or somebody <laughs> sitting in a bathtub. That's not my thing. I'm going to let somebody else who really knows how to do marketing. I'm not even going to give this a name. All of these just have alphabet numbers yeah. based on what our notebooks are. Mm. And so this is... That would you hire someone to do marketing and branding uh, before you sell to the pharmaceutical companies, or will you primarily focus on the pharmaceutical companies facilitating that? The pharmaceutical companies facilitate it. Yeah. yeah. In 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 this field, there are three value drivers. One is what does FDA have to say with it? And for us, FDA has already approved the path to the market. We're taking it partway down that path, and then Big Pharma goes the rest. The second driver is IP protection. And we have a suite of eight patents applied for, one and one awarded and about to award. And then finally, what's this formulation? And are you able to actually move this through and show clinical data? And for anyone who comes to the conference, once you sign a non-disclosure agreement, I will show you our confidential data. However, it's going to be published in about a month by a very reputable uh, journal. So you can see it then, but I'll give you the behind the scenes story. And if you want to go on clinicaltrials.gov, which is the NIH website, four of our clinical protocols are listed there. Wow. Wow. I love it. All right. Well, um, so how many, how many times have you gone through this process? Like, I know you've probably gone so many, like it's, you probably can't even count almost, but like, can you give me like a number that a range? Yeah. So I've gotten, so in drugs, I've done it 14 times for breakthrough drugs, 11 times for generic drugs, and for medical devices, which are a little easier, I've done it 250 times mm-hmm. and gotten approvals. And all of those approvals created over 200 startup companies that employ 10,000 people. So I expect that a number of people who will be watching us yeah. uh, over the next week or so will say, ah, Steve, that's where you are. <laughs> old home week. Happy to talk with you folks again. Yeah. Uh, Oh, I've done this a couple hundred times. Uh, The difference here is I'm the formulator and I'm the driver. There's going to be people that recognize you at the conference. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. It always, it's, it's just the way it is. If we were live in Vegas or something, 
what usually happens is somebody comes up to a booth or something. It happened at my TED Talks. Someone come up and actually says, looks at this and says, Steve Goldner, um, that's a methadone guy. Who are you? I said, yeah, that's me. And they say, oh my God, you're still alive. It's a good thing to be known for. Good thing to be known for though. The guy that invented methadone. It worked worked at the United Nations. Um, I spent (laughs) a week at the UN um, speaking on behalf of changing the course of war on drugs. Under a previous president, a fellow named Obama, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a week-long conference at the UN to change the course that the UN had called to change the course on war on drugs. And out of that, I said, I'm not a politician and I'm nobody that's been elected, but I invented this drug methadone and a lot of you guys have used it to get people off of heroin. And one ambassador after another came up and said, would you please set up factories in our country so that we can get hold of these drugs? So that's what our international strategy is. Wow. I love it. This, you know, the, 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 the sophistication of the companies, the company CEOs that are presenting is like very high at this conference. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I could just, obviously I had no idea that you invented methadone. Um, that uh, definitely opens your eyes to the possibilities for sure. Yes. Um, not only that, I understand. We have a number of medical devices that are being presented here. Yeah, I really understand that technology. I'm the FDA advisor to review them or to take them and get them approved. So that's fine. And I, I urge everyone here to look at the business models and see if that's a good investment for you. Some of them have stronger or weaker regulatory strategies or business strategies or marketing. I just had to get a regulatory strategy, run clinical trials, create data and present it to you folks. And if you'd like to come join in the rewards of that, you probably should have invested in methadone with me 48 years ago. You didn't. Awesome. All right. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how would they do so if they're listening to this podcast? So the easy way is to text or call 248-515-0097. Operators are standing by. That's my phone. 248-515-0097. If you're old fashioned like I am and still use email, it's sgoldner, S-G-O-L-D-N-E-R, at P-G Pharma, P-G-P-H-A-R-M-A dot C-O, not dot com. We have our own domain, P-G Pharma dot C-O. Awesome. Thank okay. you so much for doing the podcast. Really appreciate it. And look forward to conversing again. Thanks so much. Look forward to meeting you in the flesh somewhere, sometime. Absolutely. Thank you all. Bye now.